Matthew chapter 1, the passage that we looked at for scripture reading this morning. We're going to take a few minutes and we're going to look at the uh, miraculous conception, pardon me, and birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, you know there are multitudes of people celebrating Christmas right now. They're in the Christmas season. And uh, multitudes of people do not understand what we will look at and the... um, the basis for our faith and hope and uh, the relationship that we have with our God through Christ, the Savior, who was born for us. Multitudes uh, would not understand, uh, really, the uh, detail that's given in Matthew 1, 18-25. The Lord Jesus Christ, as was in the song and in other songs that we've been singing, was born to be our Savior from sin. And we know that as believers. And First uh, John chapter 4, verse 14 says, the Apostle John says, And we have seen and testified that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, not just for the United States, but for all the nations of the world, Jesus Christ came. And uh, many nations today won't even allow a Bible to be brought into the country. But the day is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father in heaven. Jesus Christ came uh, to give his life for mankind. Uh, The message uh, of the angel to the shepherds. I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Frontier was born this day in the city of David, a Savior. And uh, it, it really is a joy to talk to some people this time of the year, especially, and say, you know, the true meaning of Christmas, you've probably heard that statement, is that God the Father sent his Son, Jesus Christ, who came down here. And we're going to look at the uh, account uh, this morning in Matthew's Gospel. The other thing is we're thinking about the birth of Christ is that when uh, Christ was born, the time had come for the Lord to fulfill his promise to his people Israel that the Messiah would be born. He made that promise hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. In fact, all the way back in the book of Genesis, you remember the first message of the gospel? is Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent. And so God took care of Satan for us. Sometimes you may say, oh, you know, we're, we're in spiritual warfare, but uh, we know the, uh, the end of the story, uh, that Christ is um, victorious now, and he did defeat Satan at the cross. In fact, I think we need to remind ourselves of this. At the cross of Christ, the, the power of Satan, the power of death was broken because Jesus bore the penalty of death for us. And so Satan has no authority over your life. And so if there are times when you feel that uh, Satan is... Uh, on your back, you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I belong to you. And um, personally, I don't speak to Satan uh, because of the passage in the book of Jude. But I do speak to the Lord and I say, Lord, I really need your help at this time with some spiritual warfare. And it is amazing what the Lord will do. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, Jesus came just at the right time. The, uh, the Apostle Paul said, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman and born under the law, to redeem us, to buy us out of the marketplace of sin and to bring us into relationship with himself. Take us out of the kingdom of darkness. Bring us into the kingdom 
of his dear son. God's timing, when the fullness of time came, um, the Savior was born. And uh, another reminder, when you think of the birth of Christ, he was born in a specific time, and you think of all the events centered around the birth of Christ, you remind yourself that God's timing is always perfect. There's sometimes that we um, we got to admit as believers we we don't understand God's timing for certain things. We really don't. Uh, we have prayed about things and we wish things were different. All of us, uh, but God, uh, His timing is never wrong, and um, He is uh, sovereign. And uh, we need to um, not doubt, but remember a verse like Jeremiah 33:3. Where the Lord says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. There's nothing about a time frame in there of when the Lord's going to answer us. But he does answer. In the fullness of time, the Lord Jesus Christ came. At the right time, the Lord will work in our hearts and lives. Another encouraging passage of scripture. It's a beautiful one. Philippians 1.6. He which began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So whenever you were saved, whenever you were born again, you're on the journey now to heaven, and the Lord's going to continue to be your Lord and Savior. We're going to mention this a little bit uh, in the future here on the message. Uh, but he is continuing to work in your life, and he's going to watch over you. He's going to take care of you until you're in glory in heaven with him. The account in um, Matthew chapter 1 it is a beautiful, beautiful description of what really happened at the birth of Christ. And uh, there are many people, many parents, who read the Christmas story to their children, Christmas Day, either the Luke 2 passage or this Matthew 1 passage, and uh, it is a blessing. Now, I'm going to read to you in the Living Translation how 118 goes. And I love how it's written. 118. Now, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, what's beautiful about that passage is it summarized what really happened in one short uh, verse of Scripture. What really happened? One verse. And it strongly suggests that God, by his Holy Spirit, we'll talk about this again in a little bit, uh, guided the human writer Matthew to record succinctly that which happened at the time of the birth of Christ. So when we talk about uh, the virgin birth of Christ, we're talking about the biblical teaching that Jesus was conceived in the womb of his mother Mary by a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit without a human father. And that's great truth. That's God's system. That's God's plan for uh, bringing his son here for you and for me today. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, there's not a lot in Scripture about Mary. She was probably born and raised in the city of Nazareth. Scriptures really reveal the fact that she was a godly young woman. She probably was very young. And she was very sensitive to uh, God's will and very submissive to God's will. You see this in the accounts, Matthew 1 and Luke 2. 
Uh, why do you say she's um, spiritually minded and a godly woman? Well, when you read the account of the Magnificat, or when she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. And she said, I'm so privileged to be chosen by God to be the mother of our Lord. She tells of the greatness and the goodness of God in her life. Um, she's not uh, a person who wasn't familiar with the scriptures that she had. She was familiar with the scriptures that she had. And, of course, the text is clear that the angel Gabriel appeared to her and said, Rejoice, highly favored one. And this is back in uh, Luke 1. I'll just mention this. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you should call his name Jesus. What a name. What a precious name. Mary asked the angel, Well, how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There's the miraculous element of the birth of Christ. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Wow. How awesome. And then the Lord goes on even to say, uh, And your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, will become pregnant. And then the angel says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Here's another reminder from the Christmas account of uh, what we need to understand. There's a lot of things that we say, Well, we'd like to see the Lord do this. And I would like to see the Lord do this. And we need to remind ourselves from time to time, with God, nothing is impossible. Now, obviously, we're talking about nothing is impossible that can be done within the will of God. Uh, When we pray, we ask for the Lord to do things, and he's going to do things that are within his will. But, oh, there's nothing impossible with God, and we need to remember that. In fact, uh, I've heard people from time to time say, well, you know, I have a relative, and uh, this relative isn't saved yet, and uh, I'm really concerned. Uh, And it's been many years I've been praying for this relative. Well, you know what? Don't give up. Don't stop. Remember the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, and how the Lord worked in his life, persecuting Christians, and he was saved. And uh, Paul implies, if I can be saved, anybody can be saved. <laughs> he called himself the chief of sinners. And uh, so keep praying. Uh, I know people we've prayed for uh, for many years, and we still don't see them uh, worshiping God and in relationship with God. But keep praying. With God, you see, nothing shall be impossible in his will. Luke chapter 1. Again, Mary responded and said, I am the Lord's servant. Some translations say I'm the Lord's handmaid, and I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said, she says to the angel, come true. And then the angel left. Uh, She's open to do the will of God. And, of course, Jesus taught us, didn't he? When we pray, we should always be praying, Lord, not my will, but what your will is. Your will be done. And uh, sometimes we don't understand what the Lord might want us to do next. But we should continue to say, Lord, whatever you want us to do. We've got a whole new year coming up, 2019. Whole new year. Lord, whatever your will is for this coming year, for me, Lord, I am open and ready to do your will. Mary was open and ready to do the will of God and uh, bear the Son of God and uh, bring birth to him. 
You know, when I think of this, uh, this subject of the will of God, can't help but go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, God wants us to be willing to offer ourselves to him. And uh, many times when it comes to choices of things we do, uh, we make a choice to do his will. And maybe it means not doing some things over here that we necessarily would really like to do. But when we say, Lord, I really want to do your will. Well, Romans 12, 1 and 2 comes to mind. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. And uh, you trust Christ as your Savior at salvation point. And actually many believers at that point have said, Lord, I belong to you. But there have been others who have said later on in their spiritual life, Lord, I want your will for my life. I present my body to you, the body, the instrument through which God can work. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, Mary said, I'm ready to do your will. And and we want to be that way too. I'm going to repeat myself. We have a whole new year coming before us. And this is a good time to start praying. Lord, whatever your will is for me in 2019, I'm ready to do it. In fact, this would be a good time for us to set some goals, some family goals, some ministry goals, uh, some work goals, where you you sit down and you say, Lord, here's what I think you want me to do in this coming year. Uh, Make some personal goals and say, Lord, I'm ready to do. Here's my little list, the things that you want me to do in the coming year. You know, there were other special births that are mentioned in Scripture. Uh, you're familiar with them probably. Um, Sarah, Abraham's wife, was told that she would have a child in her older age. And uh, her response was she laughed. And um, she, just couldn't, she just couldn't believe that God could do that impossible thing. And then Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, he doubted. And, and as a result of his doubt, that he couldn't speak for a while. He had the right notes, you know. The Lord said, you should believe when you're told by me what's going to happen. By contrast, however, Mary was very willing to be submitted to God. She believed the angel's word. And she said, whatever God wants me to do, that I am willing to do. Joseph, her husband. Not much information is given about him in Scripture. He is the husband of Mary. His father's name was Jacob, and he was a carpenter. And the Bible says in 119 of this passage that he was a just man or a righteous man. And that means, really, Joseph really knew the Lord. Um, we like to use the term, and this is where we're, we're, we're keep, we keep growing in this area. Joseph was... A committed believer. He's a believer who's committed to the Lord. And that's wonderful when uh, people will observe your life. Now, they may not verbalize and say, Hey, I know this Christian, and this Christian is a committed Christian. But that's where we want to be. We want to be those who are committed to our God, and we're committed to the family of God, and we're committed to the Word of God. That's the kind of person Joseph was. He was a committed Old Testament believer. Now, when he hears about Mary being pregnant, he's got a problem, of course, at at the beginning. Uh, He knew what the Word of God said, and because she was pregnant, 
uh, and he knew he wasn't the father. This presented a tremendous problem for him. And then secondly, because of his love for Mary, he could not bear the thought of her being shamed publicly. Uh, His love for Mary is very clear when you look carefully at the text of Scripture. The text says in verse 19, uh, He was a righteous man, not willing to make her a public example, and was minded to divorce her secretly. Uh, he, he loved her. He didn't want things to happen in her life that would, be, would have been harmful to her. And while he's considering these things, knowing now that Mary is expecting, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Here again, here's God's perfect timing. And says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Did you see that in verse 20? last part of the verse that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and this is why we say yes we do believe in the virgin birth of Christ she was supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit Christ was supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit and that's a miracle of God in fact the coming of Christ in even of itself uh, when you think about it is a miracle and we do believe in miracles. And people we ask the question, and uh, some of us are going to be studying the Gospel of Mark for a while, uh, where miracles of Christ are given in the Scriptures. And when you think of the miracles of Christ, by the way, remember his healings and things like this in Scripture? Well, yes, he wanted to heal people, uh, to verify that he was the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. But never get over this fact. When you're reading about miracles... <clears throat> Even the miracle of Christ coming and being born through Mary. You see in this, don't ever forget this word when people are talking about miracles. The compassion of Christ. When he healed the sick, he had compassion for them. He wasn't just out showing that he had uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in his life or the power of God. He had compassion. And God's compassion is seen in sending his son here to the earth to live for about 33 years to suffer and die on the cross for your sins and for my sins as well for that which is conceived in her is of the holy spirit and you'll notice look carefully at scripture when you read scripture sometimes you really need to slow down sometimes people say well you know i never saw that before well sometimes we read the bible a little bit too fast it's beautiful to see Look at verse 20 again. It says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. You see, Joseph's getting the idea. This is what God wants me to do. It's an angel sent down from God. This is what he wants me to do. And then, of course, the statement is, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And we will be getting on to that in just a few minutes. Jesus, why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Wow. Even at the time of the birth of Christ, we're reminded why Jesus came. He came to go to the cross and there die and pay the price for our sins. Immediately reminds us of 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by his stripes we are healed 
who his own self bear our sins. You know, I think there's another area in which we need to keep reminding ourselves. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for my sins. And we don't like to look back. In fact, I don't think the Lord wants us dwelling on our past sins. Uh, the devil has a way of beating people up with regards to their past sins. Um, what does the Lord say? Your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. And you say, well, God can't be forgetful. The word really means to remember against. And your sins and your iniquities with the Lord will not hold them against you again. Be why? Because Jesus paid for them on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 Who his own self bear our sins. And you and I are reminded once again there's a lot of people who struggle with sins and struggle with addictions and they need to hear from us. We who know the Lord. Look, God loves you and he will forgive you of your sin. He will help you with your addiction. Uh, we, we, we have to be clear uh, a lot of people think, well, you know, if I go to AA, my, my alcoholism, alcoholism will be taken care of. No, someone who has, a tr has trouble with alcohol needs to remember that it's a sin. A drunkenness is clearly talked about as a sin in the Bible. And God will forgive that sin. And he will give the power for the cleansing and the removal of the addiction. But people need to hear that Christ died so that you can have victory through him. Is that not true? Very important, very important. So Christ was given the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Matthew goes on and he, he states, uh, and so all this was done, the coming of Christ, the conception in her by the Holy Spirit, all this was done so that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. There it is again. By the Lord through the prophet. All this was done. God had a plan. And all this was done because God spoke. And when he spoke, he spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And that verse, of course, is uh, Isaiah uh, chapter um, 9, uh, where he said, Isaiah 7, 14, where he said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive 700 years before the birth of Christ. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And we're going to talk about this in just a moment. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. So again, uh, we're reminding ourselves of the uniqueness of the Bible which you have. It's very unique. There's no other book like it. There's no other book that can compare to it. The Bible is the uniquely inspired word of God. And the words that you read in here are the very words of God. The very words that God wanted us to have. And that's why we, we grow in our love for the word of God. And it could be that there's someone here this morning, maybe you've been neglecting your Bible. Maybe your Bible stays closed during the week. Get it open. When you go home today, lay it open somewhere so that you can get into the word of God and realize that this, this is the unique inspired word of God the text of scripture here is very clear look again at verse 22 all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Old Testament Isaiah 7 14 written 700 years before the birth of Christ God is letting his people know that a virgin's going to conceive and bring forth the son, and that son's going to be Jesus, and that son's going to be Emmanuel, the Word of God. And, and this is a, um, a beautiful example. 
of reminding us of the biblical pardon me, doctrine of the inspiration of scriptures, the uniqueness of the word of God. In fact, um, when it comes to a definition of inspiration, I like the one given by Charles Ryrie. In fact, if you want to buy a um, theology book, I, I do recommend uh, Dr. Ryrie's, the, the clarity of this man to communicate biblical truth through the years was amazing. Is that? Can I hear an amen, though? It really was. It was amazing, the clarity, the clarity they had. Now, here's his definition. I like it. God superintended the human writers of the Bible so that they... Now, notice it didn't say God dictated. He didn't dictate. He supernaturally guided the human writers uh, by the Holy Spirit. So when there was something that God wanted us to have, you see, they were guided by the Holy Spirit. God superintended the human writers of the Bible so that they composed and recorded without error his message to mankind in the words of the original autographs. And that's why the Lord Jesus said when he knew about the, and certainly used, Jesus himself used the Old Testament scriptures, he said, John 17, 17, your word is truth. So if we want the truth of God, we go to the word of God. And uh, God has the unique ability. Remember I told you I was talking to that man at the state fair. And he, big tall guy, I thought he was going to take me on. (laughs) Big tall guy. And he came up and he said, he saw we had our Bible map. (laughs) And he came up and he said, don't be, and usually pointing his finger. I'm glad he didn't have a gun. Uh, he, He said, don't be telling me that we've all sinned. And don't be telling me uh, that we were born sinners. How can you say that? And I said, uh, sir, I said, uh, this is how I said the Lord really helped me. He really did. Uh, I said, the God who created our universe certainly has a way of communicating with us. And he communicated to us through the Bible. And the Bible is the place where we read, we've all sinned. He got real quiet. I'm still praying for him, by the way. And i got to put this part in, too. I really do. And his wife stood by listening, and she walked over. He walked away, and she walked over, and she said, Thanks for speaking with my husband. My privilege, right? A high privilege to communicate the Word of God. That it might be fulfilled, uh, the, the prophecy, that it might be fulfilled. So, you see, Isaiah uh, predicted the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And that phrase that it might be fulfilled is used many times in the Gospels, especially Matthew's Gospel. So all this was done, verse 22, it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, the Lord's Word, human writer, through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bring forth a son. You know, there was a sign given. The sign given was that the virgin shall bring forth a son. And uh, there's two signs, actually, in this portion of Scripture. The first one is that the the virgin, as it says in the Matthew account, shall bring forth a son. And secondly, his name shall be called Emmanuel. In other words, the role of Christ when he came is clearly spelled out here. He is to bring God's presence to people. And we heard that as we were preparing for the time in the Word of God and our singing this morning. 
And the account says in verse 24 that Joseph did all that the angel had commanded him to do. Again, Joseph is saying, I want to do whatever God wants me to do. Remember, that's how we're going to be praying as we go into the new year. We're going to say as we go into the new year, both Mary and Joseph were open to do whatever God wanted them to do. And we want to be open and we want to start thinking about the will of God for us in the coming new year. He called his name Jesus. Now, there's two names in this passage that we have just seen. And so this is a good way to remember the birth accounts of Christ. Two names that we need to remember. You know them well. You, you do. You know them very well. And the first one is the name Jesus. Over 700 times in the New Testament, this name is used. And, of course, Jesus is the transliteration of the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua. Okay? And Jesus means the Lord saves. Jehovah saves. Jehovah is salvation. And this name was specifically chosen by God and given to both Joseph and Mary. And uh, he's named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Reminder again, I touched on this a little while ago. There's only one way to deal with sin. And it's not to deny it. I talked with someone this past week. In fact, I'm going to mention it was a neighbor. And this individual said, um, I, have, I know somebody I love dearly, and they're involved in sin and total self-denial. Uh, yes, self-denial. Total denial that there's even sin in this person's life. Well, what's the answer? The answer is that the person acknowledges they have a need and then recognizing the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all so you've, you've, you've understood that. You're saved this morning. You understood that Jesus Christ came for you to pay for your sins on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24. His name should be called Jesus. There's no name <clears throat> like the name of Jesus. And there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. The second name that you remember out of the birth passages is Emmanuel. And you know, when you, when you study this, Emmanuel means God with us. When you study this, you see that God always wanted to be close to his people. He really did. Even And I found, I don't remember reading this before. I'm sure I probably did. But in Deuteronomy 4, 7, it says this. The Lord is speaking to the people of Israel. He says, For what great nation is there that has God so near to it? As you people, Israel, as the Lord God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him. <laughs> he says, Deuteronomy 4, 7, Is there any nation around on the face of the earth that has a God like I am to you, the true and living God that made the whole world? And if you pray to me, I'm going to answer your prayer? Obviously, if it's in the will of God. There's no other nation like it. And of course, the people of Israel, we read the Old Testament, and they strayed away from the Lord and tried to go after the other gods of the other nations. And we don't understand sometimes why they did it. We don't understand. Except we know the sin nature. Emmanuel means God with us. And the interesting thing is it's only used twice in the Old Testament, Emmanuel, 
and only once in the New Testament and here in Matthew 1.23 relating to Jesus Christ. God with us. And through our faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus Emmanuel, two names, Jesus Emmanuel, he enables us to draw near to God in an intimate way. Now, again, we could stop here right now and say, Lord, I am so thankful that I know you in a personal way. And I realize, uh, we who are here this morning, probably all of you would say in one way or another, you know, I, I am close to the Lord. I, I know He loves me. And I know I can talk to Him. And He walks with me and talks with me. But please remind yourself that there are many, many people out in our world today who do not know God in a personal way through Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of indicators that they don't know Him. The fact that you know the Lord and you can draw close to Him and you can take your prayers to Him and you can bow before Him knowing someday you're not, He's not only with you now, but He will be with you forever when you're in heaven. I found this verse too. It's beautiful. I found this verse. John 14:23. Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. In other words, Jesus was saying, we're going to live with you. When you accept me as Savior, I am going to live with you. What a Savior we have. And, of course, the Lord's with us now. Uh, Remember that song we sang, I come to the garden alone? Well, the dew's still in the roses. Voice I hear falling on my ear. Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am in his own. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe there could be someone here who would say, you know, I have been neglecting the Lord. I haven't had the fellowship. How close are you to the Lord? Are, are, Are you getting into the word of God more? Are you praying more? Are you desiring to have God's will in your life? Or or is it things around us cluttering out your thoughts so that you're not really drawing near to your God? Uh, He's Emmanuel, and he's with us. And when you get in your car to drive home, he's right there with you. And when you get home, he's there with you. And through the night, he's there with you because he's Emmanuel. What a awesome Savior we have. He's Jesus and he's Emmanuel. Let's pray together.